0: Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast, where we help supplement and functional food brands create better products. Today's host is Todd Runstead, Senior Editor. Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Insider Toddcast. That's right. Uh, here we are at Natural Products Insider uh, and we are here today. I am uh, very pleased to introduce you to Mark Blumenthal. Now, many of you know and, of course, love Mark. And uh, and I know you're all wondering since this is only a podcast and not a video. Um, but uh, I'm looking at Mark right now, and he is in fact wearing a blue Hawaiian shirt. Thanks, Mark, for you know keeping it keeping it real, keeping it true. Um, I will point out just for the uninitiated, Mark is the founder. And executive director of the American Botanical Council, which is an education-first organization that is all about information, knowledge, wisdom even, truth, beauty, love, best practices, and as much of a, a salt-of-the-earth-pioneering.org nonprofit as they come in the larger dietary supplements biz. And... The ABC deserves your support. So go to abc.herbalgram.org and donate, people. Serve your better angels. Serve the industry. Or, you know, wait until this podcast is over to see if Mark and ABC truly are worthy. No pressure, Mark. A great
1: intro for a cast. I love that one. Thank you. <laughs> thanks for including me. And also, thanks for that the intro, I think that I should go back to my staff and say, you know, we should revisit our mission statement and uh, maybe include some of Todd's languaging here. It's, it's uh, takes us to another level, perhaps. Thanks.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, y- you know, there's there's so much to talk about and so little time. I want to um, just kind of swing straight for the fences, go right for the punchline and cover the vital work ABC does on one particular issue that I want to talk about right now. And that is uh, product adulteration. Now, ad- adulteration is big. I think it made it into the Ten Commandments, right? Maybe number four. Um, I think it's number seven. Seven, seven. Thou shalt not adulterate. No, uh, no it
1: says, "Thou shalt not commit adultery," or, 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 or is adul- it? That, or, or, as my, as my slide has it, if we were doing slides, "Thou shalt not commit adulteration." Right. But so depending on whose, whose uh, translation you're reading.
0: So, yeah, I mean, wasn't the original Charlton Heston version, uh, thou shalt not covet covet thy neighbor's wife? Is that the short longhand for adulteration? Um, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's herbs?
1: Ah, there you go. Well, you know, your neighbor's herbs sometimes start growing in your own backyard, too, because a lot of them send out their own little roots, and they send out seeds that are airborne. So it's hard to keep your neighbor's herbs only in your neighbor's
0: yard. So, uh, you know, a few years ago, the ABC American Botanical Council, you guys created the ABC Botanical Adulteration Protection Program. Now, is that BAP or B-A-P-P?
1: So it's close. It's the Botanical Adulterance Prevention Program. Oh, geez, I got it wrong. the The first P stands for prevention because we're trying to do our best to research and educate members of industry and other stakeholders in the area of academia. Uh, research, etc. Uh, independent laboratories, third party laboratories on how to uh, protect uh, responsible industry members from buying adulterated and fraudulent material by providing highly peer reviewed and well researched documents. Uh, we have our 59th coming out uh, next week, uh, adulteration of lavender. When I say next week, we're in the first week of July right now, just for clarity of uh, July 2020. I guess we should clarify, but Uh, We've published almost 60 peer-reviewed documents, freely accessible on the ABC website at the uh, BAP homepage, Botanical Adulterance Prevention Program. And we are basically researching and educating industry and stakeholders on how to identify, how to recognize, and also just letting people know that we've been able to confirm various uh, suspicions and allegations of adulteration. Uh, so that responsible members of the community, whether they be resellers or manufacturers, uh, whatever, whatever their position is in the supply chain or supply network, uh, how to be aware of what appears to be possibly a growing problem with people selling adulterated and therefore fraudulent uh, herbal raw materials, herbal extracts, and also essential oils into the global marketplace. This is a global issue and it's based on disclosure. Uh, People are not disclosing sometimes what's in the material they're selling and they're misrepresenting it. So non-disclosure and concealment is a key issue here. If somebody is very forthright and honest and transparent about what they're selling, uh, somebody may not like the extract or the herbal material, but it's not adulteration by
0: our definition. So let me ask you, What's the criteria for an ingredient to be subject to an adulteration bulletin? You know, when I think of some of the some of the <clears throat> leading ways why something might become adulterated, the first thing is is all of a sudden it's a it's a boom ingredient and the supply can't keep up with demand, and so people cut things or um, you know otherwise adulterate them but I, I imagine that there are other issues and not can you be nimble enough to say oh all of a sudden everybody this year has switched to elderberry and and we see that there's fraudulent elderberry on the market could you are you nimble enough to be able to put out a bulletin that quickly to address that seasons
1: uh- Nimble uh, nimble is an interesting word, and I wish we were as nimble as we'd like to be. We go through a great deal of research and peer review, and the peer review takes time. Some of our publications are peer reviewed by 20 to 25 different expert reviewers from industry laboratories, academia, as well as some government laboratories in the United States and internationally. That's a time-consuming process when you've got input from 25 different experts who may or may not always agree. Our publications, when they finally come out, of the mill so to speak they are considered highly reliable highly authoritative although we are not an official body we're an independent nonprofit organization in a consortium with our good friend Roy Upton the the president of the American Herbal Pharmacopeia and our dear friend and uh, Dr Iklas Khan who runs the National Center for Natural Products Research at the University of Mississippi which is an US FDA funded center of excellence for the analysis and the development of analytical methods for botanical ingredients. So we are we are partnered with AHP, Roy Upton, American Herbal Pharmacopeia and the University of Mississippi's National Center for Natural Nef- Products Research. So the point is that and we're fun, we're funded and or endorsed by over over the, over the last 9 years since we started by over 200 progressive and responsible industry companies, industry analytical labs and third-party laboratories, trade associations, um, scientific research organizations, and professional societies, etc. So we have a wide degree or wide uh, spectrum of support, both financial and endorsement and cooperative and collaborative with organizations in the United States and around the globe because adulteration of botanical products, A, is a global phenomenon. It just doesn't happen over here in the United States. It's the materials that people are buying sometimes that are adulterated and fraudulent. Um, are being sold in other parts of the world, and what we're trying to do is give people a heads up, saying, "Hey, we've <clears throat> there's been suspicions, there's been allegations. We've reviewed the literature, we've looked at unpublished laboratory reports, etc. And we have found the following evidence, and we put it out there, freely available. Here's the evidence that herb X is being adulterated. Here's how it's being adulterated. Here's the safety implications, if there are any. And one of the issues that we put out." That we include in our bulletins, and we have our 21st, like I said, on lavender coming out. Um, we put the financial information, the economic information, and this goes to part of your question, Todd, and that is, what's happening? What generates this? It has to be there has to be an economic motivation for the fraudster, if you will, the adulterator, uh, to find a way to make a profit by either substituting herb A with herb B, but still calling it herb A on the Certificate of Analysis, or diluting herb A with herb B, where herb B is lower cost, without putting that on the Certificate of Analysis, or if it's an extract, putting various chemicals in there that may be natural or may be synthetic from other sources to try to create an artificial Profile that meets various pharmacopoeia or other kinds of international or national standards So there's a lot of ways that the adulterators manipulate things, but it has to have an economic Motivation and that's the term being used by FDA and the United States pharmacopoeia and others in the industry EMA economically motivated adulteration. That's the issue people are making money
0: off of this right, right, right so it is it increasingly difficult? You know, when you think that adulteration has been going on since the Middle Ages. Uh, you know, I mean, as we discussed, Charles yeah. and Heston came down uh, in the Ten Commandments. I think that was two thousand years ago. More you than know, that. more than that. You know, yeah, I, I'm like a little 50, 000, yeah, 35. A little light on my Old Testament. Um, so many places now have sophisticated equipment. You know, your HPLC, HPTLC, and all kinds of stuff. So it seems like you have to be pretty savvy, and you know if you're an adulterer and you know that there's the case what's the case where they're 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 putting peanut into it because then that mirrors the spike on the h b l c machine sure. to sure.
1: yeah, a couple of things good good series of questions there. First of all, just to let you know. Adulteration is not new. As you mentioned, you said Middle Ages actually goes further back than that. The very first paper that we published in Herbalgram back in 2011 or 2012. When we first started the Botanical Adulterance Prevention Program, which is now completing its ninth year soon, so we're going to be starting our 10th year of operation. Our first paper that we wanted to put out to people is the history of adulteration of herbs, spices and botanical drugs. That is drugs, medicines made from from plants, going back to Greco-Roman times, 2,000 years ago, and actually there's some evidence that goes back even further, but it's harder to document. So our article, our peer-reviewed article in HerbalGram, by Stephen Foster, who's a reputable botanical authority, documents the adulteration and the 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 sophistication, if you will, of fraudulent materials used in herbs and spices and botanical medicines in pharmacy going back 2,000 years. The point there being, this is not new, this is old. People have always found a way to cheat, and we're documenting it uh, historically and documenting it in today's market as well.
0: Yeah, I think the most recent one that came out, or one of the more recent ones, was olive oil adulteration. And I mean, that that's oh. pretty, yeah, uh, you know, and, and it's been going on for, for a long time. And, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of curious because I'm a olive oil head and is is certified organic or extra virgin is that a way to keep adulteration at bay or can organic can be adulterated it, it, the, those certifications don't really address the adulteration issue
1: hopefully organic will 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 address the fact that it was grown organically which is basically the key issue in organics uh I don't know that or any organically labeled olive oils are adulterated. I don't have any evidence of that, that, I, that I'm aware of at the moment, although there may be evidence. Just to be clear, uh, there's a lot of adulteration of the so-called extra virgin olive oil with uh, lower grades of olive oil because the extra virgin is your first pressing. Uh, so, but olive oil adulteration and substitution has gone back hundreds of years, maybe even thousands. This has been something that's been part of the food uh, food fraud for years, and this is and our adulteration of botanical materials that we're focusing on is part of a larger uh, scope of adulteration in the food industry. There's adulteration in wine and fraudulent wine, fraudulent oils, etc. But mm-hmm. let me get back to the other question you asked a moment ago. I, I just dealt with uh, when I answered. I just dealt with the, the historical issue. You ha- you mentioned the issue about testing. And uh, with HPLC and you mentioned HPTLC, which are two types of laboratory tests for chemical profiles. um, There are ways that the fraudsters have learned to basically trick or fool the prevailing analytical methods in laboratories. Let me give you. Probably. The most recent example and probably one of the most egregious examples that really gets me because as a uh, formerly uh, middle-aged male uh, i uh, used saw palmetto extract uh, uh for you're my, like
0: benjamin button you're getting you're getting you know, younger you're, exactly. you're no longer middle-aged
1: I'm no longer middle-aged male according to the dem- demographers i don't know uh you know uh, n- nudging up to close to 74, but feeling like I'm only 72. So, but at any rate, <laughs> the, um, that's the vegetarian diet and the meditation and the exercise and, and the fun and the people in this community that keeps me going, that's, about the the that's the love.
0: That's a yeah. part parcel of ABC. I'm telling you, well,
1: thank you. Thank you for that. It's I uh, love. We love what we do, but let me share something with you that I think all of our listeners right now would probably find very interesting and disturbing. We've known for many years that saw palmetto is uh, extract, which grows, uh, saw palmetto fruit grows only in Southeast United States, mainly in Florida, and uh, a little bit in the neighboring states, just to the north, but primarily in Florida. It's a Native American medicinal plant. It's been tried to be grown elsewhere. It has grown in a, a plantation in Guatemala 20 years ago or so, but they weren't able to get it to fruit. And it's the fruit of the saw palmetto, the berry, from which the uh, medicinal value is derived. And we've known that people have been cutting saw palmetto extract with uh, an oil, with other oils that have been from lower cost plants, palm oil and other, and saw palmetto is a dwarf palm tree. But in 2017, some papers were published and we published in 2018, an update to our existing saw palmetto bulletin, which shows that we do stay current and we update and our publications that they are organic and we're willing to revise them uh, in light of new data that's coming out in the scientific community. We found out that in China. Um, there's adulteration of so-called saw palmetto extract, not just with lower cost, cheaper oils, which had been happening prior, but with fats from animals. In other words, it's they've been sheep, pork beef and chicken uh, are taken from the slaughterhouse, the, the, the remaining fats, and taken over to a rendering plant, or maybe it's in the same facility, I don't know. And those rendering plants break down their fats into their constituent fatty acids. And then those fatty acids are recombined in ratios that exactly meet the ratios of fatty acids set as a standard for saw palmetto, by the United States Pharmacopeia, and the European Pharmacopeia. So an HPLC that you mentioned, high-performance liquid chromatography, could actually uh, identify these fatty acids in the Rof profile as prescribed by an official compendial standard, and the material would pass. This is how sophisticated the adulterators have become. And i find this particularly objectionable since i'm a vegetarian i would hate to be taking so-called saw palmetto material in a dietary supplement that actually has pork or beef or chicken or whatever in it uh, even though those fatty acids are some of the same fatty acids chemically speaking that you would find in certain plants so this is something we're really working on we've published on this we're trying to get more people in, in the industry to know about it it's a problem and let me just say uh, at the outset here, or uh, in the middle, wherever we are, there are many, many high quality, responsible companies with ethical managers who really care about the long-term health of their customers and proper bu- business practices, ethical business practices that make reliable, honest uh, products uh, using high quality raw materials that have been properly uh, quality um, uh, analyzed for authenticity and identity. And then there's companies that are trying to do the best they can, but maybe aren't doing the best they can. And their quality control procedures, either in their in-house laboratories or perhaps in a third-party contract laboratories, aren't keeping up with the state of the science. Now, when we talk about good manufacturing practices, GMPs if it's written properly, there's a small c in front of that GMP. It's CGMPs. No, the C stands for current. Current CGMPs, because in the law, the CGMPs refers to the current good manufacturing practice. Because there's a recognition that the market is is dynamic. The market changes, and what is a proper analytical procedure and a proper standard operating procedure, SOP, for a particular material or a particular way of doing things in today's market may no longer be adequate or valid in tomorrow's market. And this is what's happening with some of the analytical methods. So what we do with the Botanical Adults Prevention Program here at ABC, uh, we basically publish not only bulletins proving and showing evidence confirming ad, uh, adulteration that's been either alleged and or uh, suspected. We, we confirm that it's happening, but we go a step further and we publish a series of laboratory guidance documents. And these are very geeky chemistry uh, uh, and other types of analytical uh, data uh, on the different methods that are currently available for that particular herb, for that particular extract. And looking at these lab methods to determine whether they are still fit for purpose in today's market, because an analytical method that may have been perfectly uh, legitimate to use and valid 5, 10, 15 years ago when it was published, because the fraudsters, the adulterators, have now figured it out, they're coming out with a new way to adulterate their material and still make a profit and sell a fraudulent material and fool the prevailing analytical testing procedures used in various laboratories. So what we're doing is we're acting as an extension of various companies' uh, quality control labs by doing the work that they should be doing, which is constantly monitoring the scientific literature to determine which analytical methods do work or which ones don't work, or in some cases, like Salt Palmetto and others, which combination of analytical methods is necessary in order to properly authenticate raw material and show that it is identified properly.
0: Yeah, I mean, this Saul Paul metal story is really fascinating because, I mean, on so many different levels. One is that the, the, the fraudsters have to be in cahoots with these animal processors, which you wouldn't normally think are you know doing business right next door to each other you know Um, and then and then to figure out um, to get that fatty acid profile that exactly matches saw palmetto and and so then how do you how do you find how do you discover that that's you know like like how is that case broken? that oh well you know like all the HPLC spikes match up so it seems like it's good but oh it's not and oh it's coming from these animal fats
1: you have to use a different type of methodology use isotope and other types of method analytical methods the older HPLC method which is very suitable for many types of botanicals doesn't work in this case because the fraud has been built on fooling or tricking the HPLC this goes back to the melamine problem we had was it 10 years ago we didn't have it it was a melamine problem where in China melamine which has a pl- industrial plasticizer which is, contains the pre- predominantly nitrogen I believe if you analyze it strictly on a UV uh, ultraviolet you just see a big big peak for nitrogen and so companies uh, were buying this so-called material for various materials for uh, animal foods and for infant formulas and instead of using the HPLC method or whatever other method they were should have been using because it takes longer for the preparation time etc that they were able to use a lower cost cheaper UV method which was unable to distinguish the fact that that supposed spike showing protein was just a nitrogen in melamine and of course there were deaths there were a lot of animals that got sick, and the head of the SDA, the State Drug Administration in China, I believe, was executed over yeah. this issue. So, this, this is an, a classic example, and unfortunately that's not botanicals, we're not talking about that happening in the herb industry where they're putting that in there, but like I said, uh, there's this other side of the industry. We have our high quality best practices, responsible uh, companies that are doing the best they can to compete in a marketplace where uh, they're hopefully selling against competitors with other high quality, ethical, and authenticated, uh, authentic materials. And then there's the people in the market who are selling below market to a point that in some cases is, is astonishing and doesn't make any economic sense because in fact, what they're selling isn't what they claim it is.
0: Yeah. So I guess the lesson, if you're a brand or a manufacturer, you know, a marketer, and you're using these ingredients, and maybe you're getting them through your uh, through your contract manufacturer, you should probably check out the ABC botanical. Adulterance uh, Prevention Program, just to see if any of those ingredients are on the list and check in with your contract lab and say, hey, are, are you guys on top of this? Just to make sure, right? I mean, isn't that a good idea?
1: Absolutely. Everything we do under BAP is for is free to the public. Anybody in the world can access at the ABC site on the BAP homepage, uh, they can access the 58 and soon 59 peer-reviewed publications that we have available for anyone that includes people uh who are um, sellers of, of raw materials extracts and essential oils people who are buyers whether those buyers are the original manufacturer of record or they uh the name holder the brand holder or they're using a contract manufacturer and this is one of the challenges in this industry and in others uh, contract manufacturers have rel- have traditionally low margins. Uh, they have fixed costs like uh, labor and machinery up- upkeep and capsules. If they're using capsules instead of tablets or whatever, there are certain fixed costs, cap bottles, labels, caps, seals, et cetera. And one of the areas sometimes where they can get some extra room is by buying lower cost materials to in- to make some additional profit because the their customers are demanding I want to pay three and a half dollars for this bottle or a dollar sixty eight for this bottle and that's all I'm willing to pay. And sooner or later somebody's willing to make that for a dollar sixty eight or whatever. And who knows? And I'm not taking on the CM portion of the industry, the contract manufacturers. you brought them up and it's a lot of materials are made there. and there's some really reliable contract manufacturers and there's some that are supporting our program. But regardless of where anyone is, if they're in the business of selling materials, they have the responsibility for the specifications of the raw materials that go in their products. Now, they may just sign off on what their manufacturer, contract manufacturer, suggests for them, but at the end of the day, it's the, it's the brand holder who's responsible for uh, establishing specifications for all the ingredients in their product, and they need to know what's going on and stipulate it.
0: Is is that is that kind of a problem in maybe some of the less than uh, top shelf responsible supplements industry, where where all along the the value chain you might get people who yeah I'm only want to pay a buck sixty eight you know per bottle okay and I'm not gonna verify my certificate of analysis or I'm not gonna ask that. I'm not going to ask for test results. I'm just going to, hey, that's the price I want. I'm running with it. And you just kind of like look the other way and and just say, well, you know, this is my economic choice because I want this price point and I'm just going to go ahead.
1: Well, you know, that, that happens in this And that happens. And you know, there are people who are marketing companies who have own brand uh, names who don't have the technical sophistication in some cases to specify or to set the specifications for their ingredients. They do rely on their contract manufacturer for the ingredients. And in many cases, uh, reputable contract manufacturers can provide them uh, appropriate uh, materials uh, that the contract manufacturer says, yes, we can give you to cola or bilberry extract or whatever, and it, it's fine. And, and hopefully the, the brand holder, the customer, the person who's purchasing that uh, finished product and selling it to the consumer uh, hopefully, they uh, have a program in their own business that is set up to authenticate uh, through third-party testing, et cetera, uh, the raw materials that are being used in their product or some other appropriate form because that they have the responsibility both 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 parties are responsible for the for the quality of the product.
0: and so so what's? What's the question that that person working with the contract manufacturer needs to ask the contract manufacturer? You know, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, but, but because I'm thinking maybe, you know, there's people out there who just aren't aware, who they're, they're going to learn something from our little conversation here. So So you're that guy and you go into that contract manufacturer and they can produce your product. You know, they can make a million capsules and great run with it. Oh, by the way, dot, dot, dot. What's the question that they want to ask um, just just to to make sure like, oh, that, you know, I want to make sure that this isn't adulterated, like that, that this well, is the right thing.
1: One of the questions they can ask is, are you aware of the Botanical Adults Prevention Program and are you reviewing their materials and are using their materials as guidance in your specific setting your specifications? Now, to that end, we have. Uh, supporters of ABC and of supporters of the Botanical Adult Prevention Program who are in the contract manufacturing uh, sector of the industry and they have told us that they have utilized specific publications that we've come out with to reset specifications for some of the material that they have been purchasing to use in various customers products and based on the revision of those specifications based on what we've published, they've even in some cases changed the supplier of the raw materials because they have, for whatever reason internally, they have deemed that they needed to presumably upgrade uh, their quality based on what we've published. So hopefully we're having a positive constructive impact on that sector at that point in the supply chain, which hopefully means that more consumers are getting products that are honestly labeled that are reliable and are going to give them the benefits that they're looking for because it's all these at the end of the end of the day. It's about what the consumers are expecting and hopefully receiving as part of the benefits. And I know that there's a lot, like I say, a lot of good companies out there where this is not really a problem. The problem is that this the indus, the herb industry and the supplement industry is often referred to in terms that are monolithic. Uh, that are homogeneous and they're not we live in a very fractionated segmented industry and there's all kinds of different kinds of businesses in this industry which we use as misuse or overuse the term and uh, there's a lot of high quality responsible reliable people out there and there's many out there that either because they don't have enough perhaps uh incentive to upgrade their quality control or not even aware or is strictly you know searching looking for price benefits only and that race to the bottom for the for the lowest price of ingredient uh they could uh, be purchasing and passing along uh material that isn't what it claims to be
0: yeah and you know there's this is such an interesting issue because it it's one of those things where uh, you know, criminals are always one step ahead of the law, you know, and sometimes the law catches them and, and then sometimes, you know, they they evolve their way to, uh, you know, to, to get around it again. And so I understand that th- there's an issue where manufacturers can reject a raw material because it's adulterated, but then you have a problem that the rejected material can then re-enter the market. Aha. Uh-huh.
1: Yes, that is a problem, and I'll tell you what we're actually dealing with that. We have a new program, <clears throat> a new project at ABC or at the, at BAP, because I include my friend Roy Upton and Nicholas Kahn at AHP and University of Mississippi in this program, um, of course. And our new project and uh, is the best practices for the management, uh, disposal, and or destruction of irreparably defective articles what do we mean by that we're setting up an sop standard operating procedure and a contract language that a manufacturer can make with his supplier or her supplier of raw materials extracts or essential oils whatever the botanical materials are basically saying the manufacturer saying to the supplier from now on if you want to continue selling to us or if you want to become a new supplier to us, you have to meet the agreement that we have here based on this template that BAP is putting forward. And the template says that if we find, based on third-party testing, uh, it may have started in our own in-house lab if they have one, but it has to be confirmed by a third-party lab using uh, appropriate and scientifically valid analytical methods. If we find that whatever you're selling us, is irreparably defective. It means it cannot be reconditioned. It can't be lawfully reconditioned because it's either contaminated, which is outside of the main scope of our discussion today, or it's adulterated, which is the focus of this discussion, but our SOP deals with both adulterated and contaminated materials, and it can't be lawfully, legally remediated, reconditioned, fixed to to meet appropriate standards. Then we, the customer, we're going to take this two barrels or 10 barrels of stuff that we have in quarantine in our in our facility, and we're not going to send it back to you so that you might be willing to resell it to somebody else. We're going to have it disposed of or destroyed by a reputable, certified, third-party company that is in the business of disposing of tainted food, etc. And Mr. Supplier, you're going to have to... A, not get your money, you're not getting your raw material or your extract back, and you're going to have to pay for the disposal and the additional testing costs, and that's now part of the contract that you have to agree to to be a supplier to us. What this does, it really puts, uh, it's a self-empowerment uh, and a self-regulatory empowering of, um, initiative that we're doing for this industry so that the reputable companies can actually Uh, take the, you know, take the ball and and run with it, so to speak. And we already have some large companies, and I'll tell you, they've already gone on record. Uh, Jim Emmy at Now Foods and Christine Burdick-Bell, who's the in-house counsel at PharmaBite, have already adopted the um, draft SOP and contract language to be used at their companies. Uh, and we're and we've sent this out for for uh, public comment. We've got received 106 different comments. We've revised the documents. We're getting ready very soon to send them out again to those people who commented and who are supporters of ours and the and the general industry for a third, a second round of public comment. If there's any additional revisions, we will review them and then put out this as a finished document and we have several trade associations who've already told us based on the Earlier version that subject to reviewing the final version that they're willing to consider making that a trade association policy.
0: That's cool. that's that's good stuff. Uh, and, and I'm glad you brought up Jim Emmy because uh, we actually have him, he's going to be giving a webinar uh, on challenges in the botanical ingredient supply chain. Um, and opportunities for manufacturers to create change. This webinar is going to be Thursday, July 9th, from 2 to 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, and so if anyone wants to tune in on that, uh, go to naturalproductsinsider.com, and then on the top you'll see Media Assets. Click on that, click on Webinars, and then search down for the Challenges in Botanical ingredient Supply Chain webinar, and you can tune in to find out more. Um, Mark, before I leave, I just want to ask one last question. Can blockchain save us, even if it's, you know, too late for Bitcoin?
1: <laughs> blockchain is a very interesting and uh, relevant uh, technology that's been around now just for a few years. We, we published a very interesting article by our good friend Karen Rotterman in HerbalGram. I believe it was in 2018. on I think it was the first article on blockchain as it relates to the botanical supply chain. And I do believe that blockchain has a great deal to contribute to increased transparency regarding um, um, the the evolution and and the and the development of um, botanical materials in the supply chain. But at the same time, people who want to cheat are going to cheat, and uh, blockchain may make it more difficult for them. But there are people. It's not. I don't know that it's really going to be able to fully prevent. Uh, some of the fraud, uh, because many of these frauds are very intelligent and they're very tricky, and they've found ways to uh, fool analytical methods. They may find ways to get around blockchain technology, too. I don't know. I don't want to sound too cynical, but I am uh, a healthy skeptic.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, um, it's good to hear that you're healthy. You You look good. You always look good. Um, uh, Mark, I'm thinking you passed the test. Everyone out there in in podcast land, abc.herbalgrand.org, just a great nonprofit worthy of your um, consideration for support. The ABC Botanical Adulterance Prevention Program, free. It's free. Yeah. That, I mean... uh,
1: Thank, thanks to our many uh, supporters of uh, and underwriters of the program, we are able to make this free, and that's the whole point. We have to make it as widely available as possible.
0: Yeah, that's great. Mark, thanks for joining us today. Um, really great talking to you. I'm glad that I was able to see you. It's been a while. It's, it's good to see that you're still rocking the Hawaiian shirt. You're looking good, man. You're looking good. Mark, a pleasure. Always a pleasure. We'll catch up to you again soon. Thanks for joining us on another Natural Products Insider, Healthy Insider Podcast. There, that's right. I said it. Um, And we'll, uh, we'll see you guys all next time. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to a Healthy Insider Podcast, now available on Apple Podcasts or through Google Play. Subscribe now to never miss an episode.